So, you're a Christian, quote-unquote, but are you really converted? So, you're a Christian, quote-unquote, but are you really converted? That's the question. And the thing you learn about with the Lord is that when God asks the question, it's never because he needs the information. It's never because he needs the information. So, so the question, what the Holy Spirit is asking the church tonight. So, you're a Christian, or you call yourself a Christian, but are you converted? Now, here's a couple of scriptures. Three scriptures, actually. First of all, from John chapter 3, very familiar. Uh, now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do the signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Then Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, 23. Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. And then finally, another passage from John, this time in John chapter 6. Jesus again is speaking, and he says this, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Three very powerful and uh, very challenging scriptures. So it's this question. So you think of yourself, you consider yourself a Christian, quote-unquote, but are you really converted? I remember uh, back in the 1970s, actually, uh, when I was converted... Uh, and I genuinely was converted, in the late 1970s, there came up a movement in the United States, uh, a movement around a question. And it wasn't the question of the 90s, what would Jesus do, WWJD, but it was the question, are you born again? Are you born again? Uh, And people began to talk about born-again Christians. 
born-again Christians. Uh, and there was a challenge, you know, because so many people in the United States identify with the Christian religion. Uh, in fact, even today, even though a majority of Americans are not really Christians, they're not converted, uh, a vast majority of Americans would identify themselves as Christians. It's not the same as in the UK. Uh, um, um, about a majority right now, I think it's at least half of people in the UK at the moment, consider themselves non-religious. So they wouldn't identify as Christians, uh, and it's a much smaller percentage in the UK that identifies as Christians. Uh, back in, in, the, in the US, back in the, the 70s, and, and certainly the 80s, and certainly the 60s, 50s and 60s, if you ask the average American if they're a Christian, probably about 90% would have said, yes, I'm a Christian. You know, they would, they would have said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, I believe the Bible is God's word. You know, they, they would say that they, they believe these things. The problem is that people began to notice that there was a disconnect a lot of times from what people said that they believed and how they actually lived their lives, what they actually did with their lives. And so you had many people, and you still have many people today, who will call themselves a Christian in the United States, and perhaps even here in the United Kingdom, who will call themselves a Christian and yet never go to church, seldom pray, seldom read their Bibles. And, and so uh, it became a very easy thing, and certainly in the United States of the, in the middle of the last century, it was very easy to be a Christian. In fact, in many places in the 50s and 60s, being a Christian was the way that you got ahead. If you want a job, you need to join a church. Uh, and your church connections would often help you find a job. They would help you get promoted. Uh, they would help you find a better situ situation. Uh, it was almost a bit like a club, uh, a righteous club, but, you know, something very, very beneficial. But people began to notice in that time that this disconnect from a lot of people who said they were Christians, and maybe they went to church on Sunday, but on Monday uh, they were getting drunk, they were swearing, they were cheating on their wives, you know, they were doing all kinds of things that were unrighteous. And so then somebody began to see this here in John chapter 3, and said, oh, born again. And so people began to realize you could claim the name of Christian without really having become a Christian. Uh, it's a bit like uh, for me. Uh, Karen and I, as you know, are from the United States originally. Uh, we love our country of birth, although we're glad we're not there at the moment for the elections. Uh, you know, uh, we love our country of birth. Uh, we've been here in the United Kingdom for over 19 years. I've ministered longer here than I ever ministered in the States. Uh, and, uh, and so there are many times when I, you know, I'll go around and say, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm British. You know, I will self-identify as British. Uh, a lot of times I feel British. And actually a lot of times my American friends think that I'm British and they don't think I'm American anymore because of some of my attitudes and some of the things I say and some of the ways that I challenge people in the United States. Uh, and so, you know, if somebody said, you know, are you British? I'd say, yeah, you know, I, I'm British. There's only a, one problem here. I am not a citizen of the United Kingdom. 
I'm British in self-chosen identity only. I have not really been converted to being truly British. In fact, the only way that I can be converted as to become truly British, not always be American, I wouldn't lose my citizenship in the States, but the only way I could become truly British where I could say, I'm a British man or whatever, uh, is by actually becoming a citizen. And I'm not. So I can say that I'm British all I want to, but the real truth is that I'm not British. I'm an American who has an indefinite leave to remain uh, to serve the Lord here in the United Kingdom. You know, and I thank God for that. Uh, and one day, you know, I would like to be British. I would like to be a citizen of the United Kingdom, and maybe that day will come. Uh, we, we'll see. We're always praying about that. But see, there, you can call yourself almost anything, but are you really that? Are you really converted? Where we became really alert to this. Now, the problem with, by the way, the born-again movement, which is what we'd often refer to it, the problem was that many people then started to reduce being born again to an experience. It wasn't whether or not you were really converted. It became, have you had that born-again experience where you raised your hand to receive Jesus, you said a prayer to receive Jesus, uh, you had this dramatic experience with God uh, that made you receive Jesus, uh, that you know, somehow, some way, you know, there was this, this thing that happened to you that you could identify the moment. Yes, in this moment, that moment was when I was born again. Uh, and so the experience then began to replace faith. And what mattered was not whether you believed in Jesus and it really changed your life. What mattered is you had the experience. You had the born-again experience. And so by the, the mid uh, to late 1980s, the question, are you born again, began to lose all relevance and all impact because people were distorting it. Uh, and once again, people could say, yeah, I, I was touched, I was moved, I raised my hand, I said a prayer, so I must be born again. And yet, there was no change in their lives. There was no real commitment. And the truth was that simply because they had an emotional experience of some sort, didn't really mean they were converted. In fact, what we've discovered since then is that that emotional experience is very easy to manipulate in other people. A few years ago, Darren Brown, uh, that many of you might know, the British uh, illusionist, uh, mentalist, I'm not sure what he calls himself, he did a TV program where he manipulated somebody, with their permission, he manipulated somebody into having what I would identify as a born-again conversion experience. But the person wasn't really converted. And so experiences can be easily manipulated. And where we really became alert to this issue again, and the other problem too, by the way, with the movement, is that there were people that we knew 
uh, I think of two couples uh, in my first church. One woman grew up knowing Jesus as her Lord and Savior. There was never a time in her life when she did not believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for her, uh, rose from the dead for her, and that she was a follower of Jesus. From her earliest memories, she was a Christian. And her life demonstrated the reality of those earliest memories. Then we had a a couple actually in our second church um, who uh, had come believing that they were Christians. And by the way, this is a very common experience for us over the last 30 years. We'll have people come to church thinking that they're Christians, uh, like this couple did, and then at some point in time realize that they're not Christians, and then at some point in time realize that they have been converted. And this happened to a couple who are still very, very dear friends of ours. They came to the church. They believed that they were Christians. They began to realize that they weren't Christians. And suddenly they were Christians, but they didn't really know when the conversion happened. They just knew that they weren't Christians there. Looking back, they weren't Christians. And they had a realization that they weren't Christians. And then they became Christians without any kind of you know, uh, flash of lightning or you know, massive experience. Uh, and so that meant that you couldn't reduce conversion down to some kind of experience, some moment in time when you said, yes, at that moment I became a Christian because many people just didn't know. Uh, so we began to shift from this, and it hasn't been talked about very much, uh, but Karen and I began to get resensitized to this issue when we started to go up to the Isle of Lewis. A lot of our friends up on the Isle of Lewis, they, uh, uh, they, they have an experience um, that they refer to as the Kurum, uh, which means basically it's like conviction of sin on steroids. Uh, if you come under the Kurum, what happens to you is you are completely sensitive to the fact that you are a sinner who is going to die and spend eternity in hell. And people under the Kurum, they can be under this massive cloud for six months to a year. Uh, we've talked to friends who went around who became conscious of their sin conscious of the fact that they're going to die and go to hell. Now, by the way, all of these were people who had gone to church. Every single one of these knew Jesus died on the cross. They believed Jesus died on the cross. They believed Jesus rose from the dead. They believed that the Bible was God's word. They believed in the virgin birth. They believed all this stuff, but they hadn't been converted. And suddenly they came under this conviction of sin that would last for six to 12 months. Some people have told us that they wanted to kill themselves. It was so bad. But they didn't kill themselves because they knew if they killed themselves, they'd go immediately to hell. And so they struggled. And, they, and all these people had friends. They had Christian friends who would come alongside and quote scripture and, and do all of this for them. Uh, and, and they said it was, it was terrible. It was like pouring gasoline on a, uh, pouring petrol on a fire. Uh, It would just make things worse. And then they'd go through this and they'd go through this and it would be months sometimes. And then suddenly 
it would break like that. And peace would flood them. It was almost never when somebody gave an altar call. In fact, up in the Isle of Lewis, they don't give altar calls. Uh, they don't believe in altar calls. Uh, and it might be somebody sitting at home having breakfast, something. It breaks through. The Spirit of God breaks through. They're flooded with peace. And they know at that time, they know that they know that they know that they are converted. That they have been saved. And it's very striking to me that we have talked to people who will testify, you know, Jesus died on the cross, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus is coming again, the Bible is God's word, Jesus was born of a virgin, Jesus is fully God, fully human. I mean, people will say that and then they will say, but you know, I've never been converted. They're conscious that something has not occurred and for some of them, they don't want it to happen. It's like they're holding back or they wait to the last minute. For others, they haven't had the experience. Now, I think a problem is that there might be some on the island who are converted, but because they haven't experienced the Quram, they don't believe it. You know, they haven't really embraced it for themselves. Uh, but it is, it's a big issue. And this is a big issue today because I believe that there are a lot of people in a lot of churches who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Who, yeah, they're Christian in name only. And they're Christian in their name. They'll go to church, they'll sing the songs, but in terms of having a life-changing encounter with God to where they have been saved, they have been born again, that has not happened in their lives, nor do they want it, nor do they think that it's happened. There are some people in some churches, uh, and by the way, you know, you, you want to think, oh, this must be all these traditional churches. I think that there are a lot of, say, charismatic Pentecostal churches that are full of people, not full, uh, but have many people, a large percentage of their people who have received the word with joy, like in the parable of the sower. But as soon as something tough happens, they're going to lose it and they're going to walk away because it's never taken root in their lives. And there are a lot of people who have gone to churches. They're seeking the Lord. They're hungry. They want that encounter with God. Maybe they, they go up, they raise their hand, they go to the front, they say the prayer but they have not been encouraged to go all the way and surrender their lives to Jesus Christ. In other words, they have been affirmed in their seeking. And I think this is a challenge that all Christians need to look at themselves. And the Spirit of God is asking Christians, is asking people who claim to be Christians, and this is going to be increasing. Uh, it's been on the rise, but it's going to be increasing a lot and there are going to be people who are in churches who are deeply offended because they realize that they've not been saved. They realize that they've not had that encounter with the Lord. They realize that they've been fed a bunch of lies. Uh, and that is going to be a horrible, horrible time. Uh, so, so the Spirit's asking, so you call yourself a Christian. You're a Christian. Have you really been converted? Now, conversion, what is this? 
Well, we need to understand that conversion is a work of the Holy Spirit. Being born again, and by the way, that's a synonym here, born again, conversion. Uh, Another synonym would be becoming a new creature in Christ, having been redeemed by Jesus. Uh, All of these are kind of synonyms for this idea of conversion. Jesus is absolutely clear there in John 3. Conversion is a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not something we decide, decide to do. We don't say, hey, I'm going to get converted today. It is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives whereby we are saved by God's grace through faith that God gives us so that we become a new creation in Christ We become a child, a son of God. We become redeemed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It is something the Holy Spirit does in us. It is not something we do ourselves. It is a clear work of the Holy Spirit. It is not dependent on raising your hand, saying a prayer, having an experience, Uh, having the exact right knowledge in your mind about who Jesus is, uh, it is not dependent in any way, shape, or form on anything you do. You don't initiate it. The Holy Spirit initiates it. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals Jesus to your heart and your mind. It's the Holy Spirit who reveals your need for salvation. It's the Holy Spirit who convicts you of sin. It's the Holy Spirit who brings conversion. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of substitutes out there for this work of the Holy Spirit. Like I said, raising your hand, going forward, saying a prayer. You know, just saying, Jesus, uh, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Uh, Forgive my sins. And, uh, you know, while you're at it, lead my life. That doesn't make you saved. That just means you can say a prayer. Something's got to happen on the inside. Something's got to happen on the inside. The fact that somebody is seeking God through Jesus does not mean that they're saved, does not make them converted. And many times we just reinforce people in their seeking. Uh, Just in having an encounter with God doesn't make you mean you're converted. As we said in the parable of the sower, some seed fell on the shallow soil. It took root. There was an experience. There was an encounter. But the sun comes up, the root dries up, and that's it. You know, so it's not... An encounter. It's not doing Christian stuff. Notice what Jesus said. You know, in the day, there are going to be people who say, Hey, Jesus, didn't we prophesy in your name? And Jesus says, No, you're not a Christian. Get out of here. I don't really know who you are. And we say, Okay, well, that's all well and good because, you know, people can fake prophecy, right? You know, we can, we can fake prophecy. Well, then they say, well, well, okay, but didn't we cast out demons in your name? You know, there are a lot of people who cast out demons in the name of Jesus. A lot of people in, in the occult. There's power in the name of Jesus. That doesn't mean you're converted. 
It doesn't mean you're converted. How about this one? And didn't we do many mighty works in your name? In other words, didn't we do miracles? Now, I've seen a few miracles. Uh, I've, you know, prayed, seen the Lord move through me and and do a few miracles. Not a lot, Uh, but I've seen a few miracles. That's really great. Uh, But what Jesus is saying here is you can have somebody who does miracles, but doesn't mean they're saved. Doesn't make them converted. Conversely, you can never prophesy. You could never cast out a demon and you could never do a mighty work and it doesn't mean you're not converted. So what does Jesus say here? He says, no, the only people, the only people who belong to me, the only people who are mine are those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Now that sounds a little bit like legalism. You know, we got to do something in order to experience conversion. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He goes on and says down in in John 6 that we read, this is the will of my Father. If you want to know what that is, it's not doing the Ten Commandments. It's not doing the right kind of dance. It's not having the right kind of doctrine. It's not any of those kinds of things. The will of the Father is that everyone who looks on Jesus and really believes in Him, really has an encounter with Him, really experiences salvation by grace through faith, that is the person. That is the person that Jesus knows as His own. That is the person who is converted. And that's the case. They're converted. Now, hopefully, none of you who are listening to this uh, live, now maybe some people who listen to this recorded uh, might be convicted a little bit. Uh, I'm hoping that none of you who listen to this live uh, at least feel afraid because of this. Uh, because this is a really cool thing. We, we've only found this out in the last, oh, about three years ago up, up on Lewis. You know, it's, it's kind of as people received us more into their church families up there, uh, and we do consider those our church families as well as City Temple in many respects. Uh, but they shared a secret with us. They said, when somebody is genuinely converted, when they've had that experience, that encounter with God, uh, where they have become born again, they have become a new creation in Christ, they have been converted, the way that they indicate that is by going to the midweek prayer meeting. So, i just like to say that probably every single person who's come to the midweek prayer meeting here is converted. And so, hallelujah, thank you, Lord, uh, praise Jesus. At least that's my hope, uh, you know, and that, that's probably uh, what you are declaring. And that's why there's a lot of people who won't go to the midweek prayer meeting because they're not sure if they're converted, which uh, sometimes is unfortunate because I said, as I said, some of those people, I think, are actually converted. So the question is, how do you know? How do you know if you've been born again? How do you know if you've been converted? Let me suggest um, five things that all begin with C, because you know I like conversion and you know these other things. They they begin with C, uh, and so I want to suggest five things here. The first C is confession. 
People who are converted will repent of their sins. I mean, 1 John, John's clear of this in 1 John chapter 1. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Converted people will confess their sin. And confession is owning your sin. It's saying, I have sinned. I have done wrong. If you refuse to own your sin, then you should be concerned. If you refuse, if you try to blame somebody else, you know, if I say, well, you know, yeah, I did something wrong, but actually it was Feli that made me do it. You know, that's not confession, that's blaming. That's saying it's, it's Feli's fault, it's not my fault. That's sin, again. And so confession of sin is one of the main ways that we know that we're converted because God will make us sensitive to our sin uh, and you'll get more sensitive to sin, not less sensitive to sin, the more mature you are in Christ. You'll get more sensitive to sin. So that C1 is confession. C2 is commitment. Commitment. I'm not talking about works righteousness here. But as I said, uh, it's, you know, many people up on the island, um, if they're born again, uh, they go to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, uh, midweek prayer meeting. Uh, they'll go to other churches during special occasions, uh, and they observe the Sabbath. Uh, and they don't do these in a legalistic kind of way, the people that we know. I mean, obviously some will. Uh, they do this because they love Jesus. And if you love someone, your commitment shows it. You know, I love my wife. Uh, and so uh, that means that uh, I show my commitment to her. Uh, hopefully I show it pretty well. Uh, and I show it every day in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but, you know, that is a natural outgrowth. And I can't see if she's nodding or, you know, because she's kind of behind me. So she could be smiling. She could open up, you know, the her, her own uh, camera and say, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, but, uh, but commitment is the second C. Your, and your commitment will be natural, not forced. If somebody has to make you feel guilty to do the right thing, then you should probably question whether or not you're born again. Because your commitment will flow naturally uh, from your conversion. A third C, C3. So C1's confession. C2 is commitment. C3 is confidence. Confidence. Uh, take a moment. Just look inside of you. Do you know you're a Christian? I say an unequivocal yes. I know Jesus has saved me. I belong to Jesus. Nothing changes that. Uh, I'm seeing, you know, I'm looking at people here in this room. Uh, I know every single person in this room well enough to know that, yes, their life shows me that they're converted, so I hope every single one of them have confidence that they are children of God. The Holy Spirit will give you that confidence uh, if you'll listen. You don't look at the evidence, you look at, listen for the Holy Spirit, and then the evidence of your confidence will flow from that. So C1 is confession, C2 is commitment, C3 is confidence, C4 is conformity to Jesus. Uh, as a 
And that was a hard C for me to come up with because I am a dyed, uh, dyed in the wool nonconformist now. Uh, I'm fully converted to nonconformity. I believe in nonconformity uh, historically as a theological thing. If you don't know what that is, ask me sometime and I'll tell you. Uh, and so to, you know, to say we've got to conform, that was hard, but we're not conforming to the world. We're not even conforming to other Christians. We conform to Jesus. If you're converted, converted, you will want to conform to Jesus Christ. Now, how do you know if you're conforming to Jesus Christ? Think about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Are those things growing in your life? Not, you don't have to be perfect. We're not talking about perfection here. We're talking about conforming to who Jesus is. And the longer you're a Christian, the more you should be conforming to Jesus. It might be slow growth. Sometimes you might grow fast. But I can look back in my own life and see where I was when I started as a pastor and, and, you know, and say, golly, boy, I was really immature back then. And I'm a lot more mature now. And I hope I'm much more like Christ was, uh, Christ is than I was back then. And I believe that I am. Uh, and, and I think my wife believes that I am. Uh, otherwise, she would be telling me a little bit. And along with conformity to Jesus, you will have a sense of God as your heavenly Father. So there's conformity to Jesus. So that's C4. C1, confession. C2, commitment. C3, confidence. C4, conforming to Jesus. And C5 is community. People who are really converted want to be with other Christians. And it's not, it, will, it can be a habit. I mean, going to church is, is a good habit to get into, uh, and it's easy to get out of that habit. But if you're really a follower of Jesus, if you're really converted, you'll want to be with other converted people because we're all connected in Christ Jesus. One of my worst times on the Isle of Lewis is when we went up and we didn't tell people right away up there that we were coming. And the first week, uh, we did some other things before connecting with people. So we didn't go to the prayer meeting that we'd normally go to. And I felt really lousy. I mean, I really felt lousy. And it wasn't, I didn't feel guilty because, oh, this is something you should have done. And, you know, bad rod, you didn't do this. I felt lousy because it was in our nature to connect with God's people. You know, and when we go to church, we go to church not because we want to hear some great preacher, because sometimes we go to other churches and the preaching is pretty poor. I hope it's not bad here, but uh, at least I don't generally fall asleep when I'm preaching my own sermons. Uh, but, you know, sometimes the sermons are just, they're really bad. I mean, but, but these guys that are preaching, they love Jesus. And mostly it's guys. We're up on Lewis. It's all guys. Uh, they don't have many women preachers up there. But, uh, I mean, these guys really love Jesus. And you know that. And I always find something that encourages me. Uh, but sometimes it's a real challenge. So I'm not going to church because... You know, suddenly there's this great preaching. I'm not going to church because the worship band, because they don't have worship bands up there. 
they sing a cappella mostly. Uh, and, you know, and it's not, you know, the great modern songs and things. Uh, why, so why am I, I'm, and, and we're not, you know, we don't get up and fellowship and stuff like that. But, you know, I'm there because I have a hunger for community. And just being in the service is an encouragement to the people and is an encouragement to me. I don't, I sometimes, frankly, I don't feel like I get anything out of the, you know, the going. But what I get is the connection. And not only do I get something from the connection, I give something simply because I'm connected. And that's so important. And so C5 is community. If you're converted, you will have a hunger to be with God's people that uh, only the most dire of circumstances will keep you away. And I know somebody can't, some people can't get out. We have people in our church that are stuck, especially in the COVID season. They can't get out. But you know, in them, they're having this hunger to say, I'm going to connect. I'm going to connect online. I'm going to get it. I'm going to be part of this. And they're there, and they're there on Zoom, and they're connecting with others because they have a hunger because they know Jesus, and they've been converted. So this is a big, big issue, and we need to pray for our Christian friends, those who claim to be Christians, uh, because the Holy Spirit is asking people, so you think you're a Christian, but are you really converted? And we need to pray that the people who claim to be Christians really are Christians. Not only because it's important for their salvation and their eternal destiny, but also it's important for our witness to Christ. Because the last thing the body of Christ needs are a bunch of people who think they're Christians, but who are not really converted and living for Jesus. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for this night. Uh, Lord, I pray for everybody who's heard this message, who will hear this message. Um, I pray, Father God, that you would just encourage them, that you would show them uh, whether or not they've been converted. If they haven't been converted, Father, I pray that the message would give a hunger to them to experience you, to be saved by grace through faith, and come into the fullness of that. And I pray that that would just happen, Lord, by the power of your Spirit. I know that nobody has to raise a hand, do a dance, say a prayer, come forward, that you can do this mighty work, Holy Spirit, of causing someone to be born again. And I pray that, in fact, you will do that work in your people so the Church of Jesus Christ here in the United Kingdom would be filled with people who are truly converted and who are reaching out to the world around them to see others experience God so they too will become truly converted. We love you and praise you. And we pray all this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.